She ain't a rock star, but she got groupies. She ain't no actress, but she make podcasts. And when she's just that thing around, everybody be breaking their neck like, who that girl, who that girl, who that girl. <sighs> All right. It's a deep breath podcast. It's the driest, least wet podcast I've ever had. There will be no ASMR there will be no sips. I will be parched by the end of this episode, but it's a new journey of The Botanista Show presented by me, The Botanista. I'm back on the couch. I've had a little bit of a hiatus. I feel like my voice just dropped a couple octaves. I don't know if this is my new calm, not cool at all and collected state, if it's my Bieber aesthetic or just the new me, but I'm I'm not going to say I'm happy to be back on the mic. I'm not yet delighted to be back on the mic, but it's hard anytime after taking a few weeks off of doing what has been a weekly show for a long, long time. But I'm back, baby. There's a new era to enter. The new era, it's unwritten. We're doing it right now as we speak, but I could not let another TGIT go by without bringing a little bit of the Botanista show out into the world. So that's what we're doing here today in my new impromptu recording studio, aka Senior Botanistas. We have been doing collectively Two Buttons Deep Botanista a little more than the usual amount of laying low over the past few weeks. You know, it's just really not the time to be cruising along at a coffee shop, chit-chatting. It feels a lot safer in here. It feels nice to be at my mom's and her apartment is cute as a button. It's cute as her. All the lights are turned up. It's quiet. There's absolutely no fucking internet. Um, I don't know how the senior buttonista lives here with no internet, but it's an interesting time. But it'll be my new HQ for now to record these shows and be in a safe, quiet, well-lit area. So that's what we're doing here today. The first thing I need to address on the pod, which it again, has been a little while, the reason why we will be dry in some regards. Some things will be moisturized. Some things will be dry this fall and winter. This is the end of a chapter, the start of a new one. When one thing moves on in your life, whether it's someone passing away, a relationship ending, a break of some sorts, I Googled the term what it means to pour one out. You know, you're like, pour one out for the homie, RIP. Well, we're going to pour one out today, metaphorically, for the the hard breakup between me, myself, and I and Miller Lite. It has long been, historically, in my bones and blood, my favorite beer. I always used to joke that it was the beer that I had growing up. Not meaning that I drank it growing up when we were out on Saratoga Lake or my parents had parties out under their tiki bar. It was just the brand. It was that brand recognition that I grew up with, the back in the day blue cans, all of the advertising and marketing. It it appealed to me as a seven-year-old and it really appealed to me in my 20s and now early 30s. But, you know, I've only been 30 for a month and, and 10 days So it's a good time to break it off with Miller Lite. The show is no longer brought to you by Miller Lite. And I'm willing to say, and it's nothing personal, it's just business, I don't know if I'll ever drink a Miller Lite again. I'm not sure. 
Do I still have feelings for it? Is it going to be a slow breakup? Sure. Um, am I thankful for the time that we had together? Yes. But as the phrase goes, uh, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. And I'm just ready to move on. I think my 30s in general should be probably a time with less beer. I actually set that as a goal somewhat publicly on this podcast, but definitely in uh, you know my own personal life going into 2023. I was like, Taylor, you got to cool it with the beer. I mean, you could just see it all over my face. Um, physically, it was ha- taking a toll on me. And I did a really good job, I will say, all together as we're closing out the year. In general, I've definitely uh, watched my alcohol consumption. I'm still consuming plenty of alcohol, don't get me wrong. But I've definitely taken it down significant notches since setting that goal for myself in the start of this year. Now with the Miller Lite break. Oh, don't worry, I'm just getting a call from Norfolk, Maine. Mm. What do they want? 402 area code. They want to collect some debt. Let's just be real. That's the one worst part about trying to get canceled is like I'm poor. Like if I was trying to get canceled and I was rich, if I was Matt Lauer, I would fuck off so happily right now. But I can't. You cannot get canceled when you're poor, which is why I'm still doing the show. And I still have so much left to give this earth because I have debt collectors calling me in the middle of the goddamn day every day. So It's a hard break with Miller Lite, but the time has come. I'm taking it as a sign of stepping up my maturity, expanding my horizons. And like any professional athlete, when they get cut by a team, what do they call that? You're a free agent, baby. I feel really good about being a free agent. I feel like it is literally, as they say, it's freeing. I feel like the chains have been broken. The ties are loose. Um, I know I did not read the Britney Spears book yet, but I feel like that could be a metaphor within that. I have been doing some reading to reflect on this time. And I don't know what the future holds in terms of a sponsor for the show. I think there's a lot of different directions. I'm not really worried about that at this time. I am worried about when I do drink a beer, what am I grabbing? What do I want on the shelf? Do I devote my time and energy to local? Do I up the alcohol content a little bit and get a little more bang for my buck? Am I going shopping for beer like I do with wine and I'm looking for labels? I'm looking for aesthetics, you know? I've never been able to tell the world how much I enjoy a hazy IPA. And I'm here saying it, how freeing. Like, I'm a new woman. You can hear my voice just picking up and... I'm getting a little hot and bothered just thinking about all the ASMR and the traditional acronym sense awaits me in my future. So I'm definitely picking up speed in my everyday mantras, my uh, routine, getting back in the works. It's, uh, you know, it's one thing to take like a hiatus because you want to, and it's one uh, other thing to take it when you weren't you weren't really seeing it coming and you were like a full train ahead and it just came to a halt. And how do you keep the wheels turning after a little bit of that time. You know, I've spent uh, a lot of time on the couch. That's something I don't normally do. I do it right now when I'm recording the show, but just kind of sitting, being present in a way. Um, I don't know that I've been 100% totally present because there's still a lot going on on social media for me to monitor and for me to um, keep in touch with, so to speak. But I'm sure a lot of people have noticed a little bit of a break in the content, in the daily posts and updates and whatnot. And um, it's, I'm not going to say it's nice because I don't love it, but it's, um, 
it's taken some of the pressure off, I guess, in some ways to reevaluate the quality of the content that I am putting out there, breaking, again, some of those metaphorical, physical chains off, and using this time, which I feel like anybody says after a crisis, is like, using this time to reestablish and reset goals and blah, blah, blah. Like, I need to take a Kris Jenner master class on how to hop back in, but it's true. I think any pause in your life, you have to kind of just take a little quick inventory, figure some shit out, and that is definitely not over with. That's definitely not done, but getting back and keeping some routines, doing the things that you love and getting out there is very important. I love being out in the world. I love going downtown Saratoga or anywhere and going to restaurants and doing my thing. So I'm slowly kind of crawling out of that hole uh, that I have been in. Um, I was so bored this weekend. Oh my God. I I was so bored and I, I don't think you're allowed to say that when you're 30. Like, I feel like that's something you say when you're three. Um, I don't do well with downtime and I was so bored and I ended up watching just another episode of Hoarders, which my mom bailed on me and that is something you're not allowed to do when you are sitting on the couch and you are having downtime with someone and that other person puts on a show against your will, Okay. My mom put on hoarders. My mom is the anti-hoarder, okay? She is the exact opposite. She is clean and pristine and organized, and she will throw your shit out, okay? If you leave something at my house, whether it's Tupperware, if she thinks your sweatshirt was too tight and it's on the floor, she will throw it out. Just ask my significant other. So you have to beware. But I would never think of her in a million years as the type to put on. She doesn't watch TV. She doesn't sit still really at all. When she put on an episode of Hoarders on Netflix yesterday, during our downtime, a cold rainy day, within probably the first five minutes of the show, she hopped up and started just continuing with her day, her cleaning, her reorganizing. I'm like, Mom, you get sucked into this show like the hoarding house that it is. It takes about 0.25 seconds to get fully invested in this person in their story. And I felt at that time with nothing else to do that it was my responsibility to see the show through. And I don't like watching those shows to feel better about my own life. I think it makes me feel worse, um, even though you realize in turn by watching things like that and my 600-pound life and whatnot that it, of course, could always be worse. We all know that at any given point. But you want to watch this psychological turnaround of somebody that is so committed to their stuff. And as someone who likes stuff, it is an interesting life lesson to realize that this stuff means nothing. Yesterday, I spent an hour and 15 minutes with Terry from Missouri, who had a 45-year relationship with her partner, Craig with a K, and he would never marry her. They were boyfriend and girlfriend for 45 years because Terry could not clean it up. She was an artiste. She had painting. She wanted to create in life, but instead she purchased a home in the year 1998 and she did not spend a single night in it. It literally turned into her own personal storage unit. It was horrible, obviously, as these scenes are. She took it to another level to make a long story a little bit long, where she got out of living in the house because she was a personal caretaker spending 24-7 with her people that she took care of. She befriended and was employed by a 95-year-old army vet. She took over his whole house. She lived there. He thought she was his girlfriend. She's not. She's Craig with a K's girlfriend. And she hoarded up this guy's entire house. It was That was more heartbreaking than her own because she went in and she ruined someone else's life who she was supposed to be working for. She hoarded this man's car. 
She hoarded a, in a beat up abandoned car in his driveway filled with stuff. And again, she wants to change. The story's the same every time. I acknowledge that I could get married. I could move on. I could care for my partner if I could just clean it up. She's ready to go. She's gung ho. And she gets in there and she's like, please do not throw away that empty deodorant package. And they're like, why? And that's where you realize it's a real fucking problem, right? But I'm invested. I want to let you know that Craig with a K proposed. The houses were cleaned up. She can move back in. It's all good. I don't know how it ends that well. I don't know. I want to know the timeline of these things. Like, how long does it take? Because they're putting a real squeeze on her. They're rushing her. Like, this house is going to be done in two days. There's just no way. I remember hearing a myth that on the cooking channel, they say it's like a 45-minute challenge, but it literally takes, like, hours and hours and hours to film. So it's not actually done in 45 minutes. That I can't say for sure, but I can say for sure that even though an episode of Hoarders is an hour and 15 minutes, it has to take weeks to get to where they end up at the end of that show. And I want to be respectful of that time. So that's one thing I've been doing to make my own situation um, a little bit better, at least enjoy some of the finer things in, in rerun television. But I don't appreciate that the senior botanista could drop a heavy program like that on me in the middle of the day on a Sunday when all I wanted to go to was go to Artisanal Brew Works, see a little live music. Instead, I'm wrapped up in Terry and Craig with a K's love story. So as you can see, I've been processing things very well. I'm moving on. And despite being free of Miller Lite, free of, I'm not going to say free of beer completely, definitely not free of alcohol completely. I have had some time to confront some of my other addictions in life that I need, truly need, as as urgently as a breaking New York Times report this morning. I need to, like Terry, cut some shit out of my life, but it's not the three things you're expecting, okay? It's not like an LA sober thing where I'm going to drink but not do drugs. I'm addicted to three over-the-counter, let's call it, medications, remedies, things that you think would make your life easier that I have realized I am so codependent on. These three things have been part of former episodes of the show. If you've been following, you know these are kind of some of my beats. We'll start with probably the least, um, what would you say, the least detrimental. It always comes up this time of year for me and everyone else. This is the, the moisture category, okay? It is the lip balm, in the hand cream. Now, I have come on here many times and said, like moisture, like water, like sipping the right things is the key to life. It's not pretty. It's not cute to look at your partner in the face, a date in the face, or just a cashier, anybody that you know in your life. You can tell immediately upon looking somebody in the face, in their eyes, that they are dehydrated and they are not properly moisturized. And to be completely honest, it's pretty gross. If I see somebody with chapped lips, I'm thinking of uh, Will McCarthy from like third grade who, sorry if he listens to the show or someone's still connected to him, just not properly moisturized as a kid, right? Like why didn't your mom put a little chapstick in your little Levi's that were ultimately going to get destroyed in the washer when you left the chapstick in there? Like that's the kind of foundation that we need to build. You need to have it on you at all times, every time. But what you can't do is what I'm doing is getting completely and utterly reliant upon it, okay? I've been in a weird space where I was running out of two Glossier OG bomb.coms, another favorite product of the show. If they want to sponsor, we have a lot of opportunities right now. Since the rebrand of Glossier going into Sephora, to recap, the bomb.com, their signature 
uh, lip moisturizer has taken on a new form of packaging. It is much bigger. It kind of looks a little bit more commercialized. It has a totally new cap. You used to just have to like kind of squirt it on your finger, which as I'm saying it out loud, doesn't sound so sanitary, but now it has one of those like angled applicators. But the whole look has changed and I feel a little nostalgic for the old one. I've not been ready to invest and move on to the new version of bomb.com. So I've been rocking the very last bits of my coconut and my mint. And then I found in my uh, thrifty money-saving state that I'm in a free uh, Cetaphil like moisturizer, I've just been using that because I found it and I definitely got it from like a freebie on some order. So I've been rocking with those three in my purse. They're all down to the wire. I'm in the car with Senior Botanista going thrifting the other day. They're all gone. I swear to God, I spent this car ride at the time from Saratoga to Scotia Glenville like a legitimate junkie. I was like shaking in the car. I'm like, we need, and I know the botanist, Senior Botanista, she's not properly, she's moisturized, but she's not rolling with this stuff in her car, in her purse. It's just not happening. You will find my mom even at like 8.30 a.m. on a bagel run with like full lip gloss. Like you're not finding her just doing chapstick. So I knew there was no option in the car. I'm like, listen, I know we have errands to run. We got to go to Target first. It's time for me to upgrade, get ready for winter. I need that Aquaphor, baby. We did not go to Target first. I'm walking around the Salvation Army like, like, like constantly thinking about my lips. Like I can't think about anything else. It's truly like somebody that's having withdrawals. I went through Target frantically looking for the exact kind I wanted. It's usually in two different places. And I realized, Taylor, you are really effing dependent on this shit. This is not the life you want to live for yourself. You cannot be chasing chapstick to chapstick like that, okay? You need to take a breather. You need to let your lips uh, rejuvenate themselves. They need to provide moisture on their own. Even as I'm talking about it, I feel like my lips are getting wet. Like I'm feeling a feeling. And I think some of this is probably in your own head. Like I was fine at Salvation Army. There was nothing there, by the way. It was very disappointing. Uh, maybe they need some more donations because it was very sparse. But I was okay. I made it through Target. I made it the whole car ride. I made it through Salvation Army. But when I, that shit hit my lips after, I was like, I was floating. Like I, I gained wings again. Like, I really felt like I was back to my full self. So definitely got to cool it on that. You just, you, I understand you need some breathing room. Same thing goes for the other two. We'll just bundle them into one for the sake of time. Eye drops is the biggie. This is the real biggie because months ago there was talk that eye drops were being pulled off the shelves for not either saying what they were going to do or worse, which the latter is the true one, people were dying from eye drops, Okay. Today, as I'm walking out of the house to record this podcast, I read another headline that they have pulled like dozens of eye drops from the shelves for, again, not saying what they were going to do, harming people, being very bad, generally speaking. Um, I just looked at the New York Times article and I clicked a link to like which ones are actually getting pulled because there's some brands that I like. I've talked about the Lumify eye drops that make your eyes nice and bright. This is tough, again, for someone that is financially unstable. It, it would appear that all of the retailers that have been pulled are the generic brands. <sighs> this is tough. This is tough for me because I'm not so vain. I'm not so important that I need brand name everything, right? There are certain things in life, as we have discussed, that the generic version is just as good as the real deal. Now, there are a few exceptions to that category, 
some that I recall, you know, off the top of my head is like Heinz ketchup, uh, Hellman's mayo, if that's your family brand. I would always go brand name ketchup, for example. Cereal, brand name, probably better. Things like that. Eye drops, I'm not really looking for the real one. If it says compared to Tylenol PM, the up and up target version is usually good enough for me. But in this case, CVS Health, Rugby, which is Cardinal Health, Leader, which is Cardinal Health, Rite Aid, Target, and whatever Velocity Pharma LLC is, which is probably what I'll have to change my name to if I keep getting canceled on the internet. That is concerning to me. Up and up, I feel like up and up is great. Like, like Target's generic brands are second to none when it comes to some of their like refrigerator items, things like that. So I can't tell you like the actual, um, I can't pronounce a lot of these, Car- carboxymethylcellulose sodium eye drops. Uh, polyethylene glycol 400. Oh, that sounds like a popular one. Polyvinyl alcohol, 0.5% in povidone and tetrahydazoline hydrochloride. So just so you know, it might be time to read the fine print because I don't, if I'm going to meet my end, I don't want it to be through my eyes. Like, I don't want to just squirt something in my eyes, which is uncomfortable and uncertain enough as it is, and find my death this way. I need to come correct. And again, my eyes can make moisture on their own. My eyes can lubricate on their own. It is when you over-rely on them finding their moisture elsewhere. Say it's like using Miller Lite for happiness. You can find happiness elsewhere, right? If you're relying on Miller Lite to make happiness for you, you're not truly happy with yourself. So next time I want to put eye drops in my eyes, I want to feel a little brightening after a few too many perhaps, I'm going to say no, you're better than this. Your natural body knows how to be moist, okay, in more places than one. And last but not least, nasal spray. This is actually my first true love my first addiction, my first reason that I would end up on a show similar to the program Hoarders or My Strange Addiction or whatever. Nasal spray, you can physically feel the after effects of not using it. When mine runs out and I haven't bought a new one, the -the over-the-counter shit, you have a cold. Like you literally immediately start to feel under the weather and just the process of shooting that up your nose is a little bit of a high, no pun intended or not trying to be funny. Like I think everybody knows. I was watching Nate Bargatze on Saturday Night Live and in his opening monologue, he talked about how his dad was addicted to nasal spray and that he had been doing it for 45 years. 45 years. He's like, this medicine on the back of the label as he's at the doctor says, please do not take this for any longer than three days. And the man just did it for 45 years, like Terry and Craig not getting married, just hanging on doing what you're doing for 45 years and not questioning or not breaking the this, this stride in any way, shape, or form. So it is uh, given me a lot of time to reflect on these things. I will tell you I'm cooling it. The hardest at the moment would definitely be the lip balm as we head into chillier chapped season. And moisture is very important to me. So if you, like me, are struggling, you can call the hotline, which is instagram.com backslash botanista, and we can discuss. Moving right along here, um, oh, I did mention I was doing a little bit of reading uh, and a little bit of socializing in my uh, self-proclaimed, much-needed, warranted, mandated hiatus that I've been doing. Um, The Megyn Kelly book, phenomenal. 
it's very funny that it's now the time in my life where I need to read this book. It's from 2016, so it's a little bit more in her Trump era, which if that got cut into a clip, like we never want to call anybody by their Trump era. But if you know Megyn Kelly, you know she legitimately had a Trump era. So I've been really enjoying her book. Everybody knows by now she's local to the Capital Region. She grew up in the Syracuse area, came to Albany, attended Albany Law and Syracuse University, actually. But I have not read a book in so long. And that's another nice thing to do. Like breaking news here, read a book. What I don't want to see, though, is the new conspiracy theory I'm seeing on social media where... I'm just seeing like dozens of girls post what I believe is spam and maybe like a call to like join some sort of female army behind the scenes that's going to get sent overseen, um, overseas. It's like, I'm looking for a group of women to participate in a book exchange, 36 of you. I'm like, this is ISIS. This is ISIS recruiting, I think. This is not, there's no way that many girls on my feed right now are looking to find random women to participate in a book exchange. Can someone confirm or deny if this is spam? Because every time I see it, oh, speaking of spam, wow, oh my God, it's right here. It's calling me again. 402-347-8315 from Norfolk. What's N-E? Nebraska? They definitely want money. Hold on. Hello? Hi there. This is Brittany from our finance department at Nation's Credit. I'm reaching out to you to let you know you may qualify for a loan to consolidate all of your credit cards. Don't say how much, please. Or even collection accounts. To lower your interest in monthly payments. She's not real, Brittany. So it's okay if your FICO isn't the greatest. Oh, okay, this is getting a little too personal. It's not the greatest right now. I wish I could do something with them, but maybe that's a sign that these book exchanges are not real. However, reading silently, privately, in the comfort of your own home is nice. I don't think I need to join a book club anytime soon, but it's very cool. Her story in general, it's nice to find things during a dark time that you really connect with and that you can be inspired by. I talked about it a little bit before and it's going to come up again in five random things that, you know, I I wouldn't say I was like, it's not like I've never been inspired by anything or anybody, but I think like, I think you're just inspired all the time. Like, you know what you like, you know what what things get you going, what things get you excited, who you look up to in the world. But it's not until you start reading people's true personal stories and not just what you read on the news or see in like a quick, you know, five minute YouTube video or interview. Like when you really look at the course of some of these people's lives, whether they're, again, people that you admire professionally, celebrities, actors, and realizing how deep and interwoven and how complicated their own journeys are and is it like selfish or self-absorbed or like crazy to be like, wow, this sounds just like me. Or like, does everybody do that? It's, it's just like one of those things where I'm like, wow, am I really reading some of the things in her book specifically right now at this time of my life that relate very specifically to me? Or again, am I like blowing it out of proportion and drawing too many parallels? I don't know. I think that's the point of reading is that you're able to make connections to your own life. And you do forget. You forget how important that is because we find everything from people we look up to, to inspo, to fitness, to cooking, to everything on the internet now, to read a book and read something in a long form, again, of how all these points in someone's life connected to get them where they are. Um, It's really powerful. It's really cool. And Megyn Kelly, I... I've definitely talked about her a lot or had her kind of in my in my purview of life, just knowing the things that she had went through on camera and more or less her story coming up. But 
uh, the local element, you know, where she is today, where she is at the time of this book. Very, very interesting story. Um, and it's cool, again, to just kind of see things that tie back to your own life at a time when you're like, I guess it's kind of like, I'm not going to say it's like religion, but it's like when you're looking for a sign, like they're out there. Like if you want to read a book like that and be like, wow, this really relates to my life or I can really take this information and do something with it. Like the signs are there. You can connect the dots. I'm sure there's a lot of times in your life where you get advice or you read something or see something and it's not the right time and you brush it off and you walk away from it and you're like, what's the meaning of this? I don't know. Um, so when I think you find yourself in that moment where it's actually clicking and it's actually powerful, ride that wave and like see where you can seek more of that in your life because that's definitely been interesting and it makes you, again, say, okay, if she did it, I can do it. That's always a nice thing to think, right? If somebody else has has paved a path and done it themselves or do whatever and now I'm getting into the details but like if someone else can do it you can do it too I think that's actually really good advice so um yeah just more of that on the socializing aspect this is random but um I have been again strategically kind of trying to place my social outings maybe I'm being dramatic I know I'm being dramatic but one place that my mom and I've always been wanting to go to in Saratoga and I've been there once before uh, I just want to give the formal shout out here is Panzas in Saratoga if you are looking for a solidified vibe and by that I mean not solidified at all a million different aesthetics a million different things going on no clear direction but I'm just meant to be here and I know like something good's going to happen. I cannot recommend it enough. I think, again, not just because of my situation, but I love getting off the beaten path, so to speak. Like when you think about going out to dinner in your own town, whether you live in a downtown city, like my mind always goes to like the places I can physically see in my brain. Like if I'm in downtown Saratoga, for example, you're looking on Broadway and I'm literally picturing in my head every single restaurant, right? Like, oh, we could go to Hattie's, we could go to uh, Cantina. Like I'm looking at restaurants that I could picture in my head. And when you think outside the box, whether it's going to a different town or just off the beaten path, as my mom loves to say, that's definitely one of her favorite phrases. Panzas is one of those spots. It's on South Broadway, a little bit closer to uh, what was like the former dance museum if you need like a bigger landmark if you're not as familiar with the area. But it's a family-owned restaurant for over 80 years. I wanted cozy I wanted an older demographic. I wanted dim lights and good, thick, creamy Italian and a waitress that's been working there for like 20 years. And that is exactly what I got. You guys know I love the mid-century modern vibe. Like the building itself was not always Panzas. I guess they didn't move there until 2019. But it kind of is like, it's definitely mid-century. It's got big, huge windows. It's like kind of like a raised ranch, if you will. Stone. It's got this like grotto feeling like I went to a, a restaurant once in Mexico that was in a cave like you've got a little bit of that but there's no like no one's naked in the cave there's no bats like there's no whatever there might be some water dripping but in a nice sensible way um, just one little tiny TV in the bar so it's not overly like you know they're not trying to entertain you in other ways they bring in live music but just a great date night, like a place that you want to go. And again, enjoy the time with people that you love, have good conversation. The food is amazing. So I don't need to explain that. But when you're looking to get out of your element, I always find going somewhere that you're not totally knowing what to expect is good. And my mom and I had such a great experience there. And I just feel like it's one of those restaurants that it doesn't need the love. Like it doesn't need my endorsement. It was absolutely packed. 
We walked in thinking we could get a spot. We ended up having a drink on top of a piano. They use their piano when they're not having music. They use it as a bar. So that in and of itself was very cool. Um, The place was packed. It does not mean my endorsement by any means. But if you're looking for a new place to go, I know uh, a few shows ago, I did talk about cozy winter spots that are kind of off the beaten path, as we say. And uh, that one did not get mentioned. So I'm glad I checked that off my list. I've talked about Pinnell's, which is very similar, but kind of a different vibe. Pansas, I would say, elevates the experience a little bit more. Or if you want to go with your parents, maybe not a date night, but you need someone older than you to pay for it, I think that's great. It could be a great spot for some older folks, big family gathering, you name it. I think my mom and I actually pre-booked Thanksgiving there because we're always alone on Thanksgiving. It's usually just me and her. Um, I'm trying to maybe do like a little Florida trip the days before and then make it home for Thanksgiving with my mom so we can do our tradition. And Pansas might be the spot. So if it's if it's holiday worthy, I would say it's worthy all year round. All right, let's get to five random things. I've decided to curate these today to, um, again, kind of just close out this chapter so I can really move on with kind of a new direction and present some new things to you in future shows. We'll do five random things that just show you how I've been dealing and um, how I'm closing this chapter. Number one, this is just a quick story. When I was in the thick of all of this drama, all of the, I don't want to call it drama. Obviously, it was a legitimate controversy. I'm not trying to uh, discount it now at this point. But as mentioned, I've said what I've said. We've done what we've done. We've moved on and we deserve that. And if you're listening to this at this point and you don't think that, now would be a good time to tune out. But just like when you're looking for a sign for things to be better or to find some inspiration to continue doing what you were doing, like I'm finding with Megan Kelly, there's also some times where you just get kicked when you're fucking down. And I was awaiting a pretty important phone call, wanted to take like a 10 minute walk with my dog and we're on the street. I have a very specific like start and end point when we're doing a quick walk and I have great deer dar. Everybody knows that. I look out for deer. I talk about deer. I spend a lot of time when I'm driving thinking about them, where they might be, what they might be doing, what time of day is best for them, if they're hungry, if they know Bambi, if they lost their mommy. Like I think about deer a lot. And in this moment, as I'm walking my dog on a main road going, you know, these people are driving 45, 50 miles an hour probably, I am witness to a sight that I've never wanted to see, let alone uh, see secondhand. Firsthand, obviously, would be worse. But as I'm walking Jet on one of my darkest days in a long time, I watch a little baby Bambi run out in front of my mother effing non-lubricated eyes and get hit by a middle-aged woman in a Mercedes SUV. I was, I almost fell back like the deer. I was like, truly, you have to be fucking kidding me. This cannot, this did not just happen. He was so small. I'm going to give this lady the benefit of the doubt because the deer was definitely tiny. I don't know math, distance, yards, feet. I'm going to guess if I had to, which I do, I was maybe 40 yards away. So I was like pretty far, I think, like Wait a minute, how, how is, what's a football field? hundred yards? I was a quarter of a, no, I was, okay, I was pretty close. Maybe I was 25 yards away from this then. So I definitely saw it. Like I saw it the way that it was happening. But if I was down on a hill a little bit, if I didn't have the best visual, my benefit of the doubt moment is that this deer was so small that it, this woman could not have seen it. She had a pretty good size, like I said, Mercedes SUV. 
there's no, she couldn't have seen it. She did not hit her brakes. Let's just put it that way. The deer flew back into the woods. I was about to get on a call and I'm with my dog. What do you do in this situation? Obviously, there's no form of CPR rescue aid I can provide to this deer. I was hoping that it was a quick and immediate death as one would hope in this situation. It flew back, so I couldn't see it on the road. It was in a ditch. Then I'm even more worried thinking like, what if the deer's in a ditch and now it's going to have a slow, painful death? Really, honestly, one of the worst things you can see when you're down and out. I would I would not wish it upon my worst enemy at, in any way, shape, or form. I looked for the deer in the coming days. Obviously, I had to turn the dog around. Just totally abort the walk and the mission altogether. It was horrific. The second horrific thing that happened was I was just going to the bathroom, and maybe this is TMI. It is TMI. Let's just put a call what it is. Um, And I was going to the bathroom. Again, a dark day, okay? Like an unshowered, uh, clothed, but a dark day nonetheless. Going to the bathroom grab myself some toilet paper and it slips out of my hands. Okay. It was dry. I don't know if that might, that matters or not. It was a dry piece of toilet paper. So in this moment, in my darkness, I felt totally comfortable picking up the dry toilet paper and using it. Okay. Again, I got to conserve right now, all of my energy, all of my assets, everything I have, I need to keep tight to the vest. So I was going to use this toilet paper. Now, it, I don't know if it's one of those things where like, when you send them some people like blow their nose or use a Q-tip, like they look, which is kind of gross, but I get you, you're trying to solve a problem. So you got to make sure like what you're looking to, to rid yourself of is gone. Um, so I looked at the toilet paper and I'm so glad I did because on the piece of toilet paper in the 0.5, five second roll seconds that I dropped it on the ground, there was a very large spider on it. And if I didn't look, if I didn't have the wherewithal, if I didn't have the the pick yourself up attitude that I had to look at that toilet paper and make sure that it was okay to enter my bum, I would have put a spider literally in my BH, willing, like almost willingly. And that again is a level of danger and risk that I cannot put myself through at this time. And I just had to look at that spider and I had to laugh and say, who is this a sign from? What does this mean? Can I turn this into another life lesson? Because if that happened, it just brings me back to this one story. And I, I think this, I know this to be true. And I th- I'd like to think I've evolved and I've come a long way from this. When I was like probably four or five, I was eating a fun dip on the boat in Saratoga. And fun dips were obviously just an elite candy altogether. And I don't know if I was mad at my sister, if I was feeling some type of way. But I remember seeing a little itsy bitsy teeny spider crawling on the applicator of her fun dip, that white chalky little motherfucker that you basted your tongue all over and dipped in fucking powder. And I saw a spider crawling on the white part and I said nothing to her. I didn't tell her. And I let her eat a spider. And I don't, I don't know what that says about me as a big sister. Was I trying to toughen her up? Was I looking for revenge? Did I just firmly believe that everybody should swallow seven spiders a year, whether it's in your mouth and then 20 something years later, it comes from me and my bum? Would that count for seven spiders per year? I think if you can willingly do it, maybe it does. Those were really some of the worst things that happened, though. Other than that, it's been all up from here. Number two, um, if you can't tell, if you're looking at any part of this on video, I've decided that over the next few months, as we rework some things uh, business-wise, that there is an opportunity for me to really adopt what I am calling a Bieber aesthetic. Justin Bieber has taken a lot of heat, especially since marrying Haley. Baldwin, obviously now Haley Bieber. 
She comes out dressed to the nines, looking like the absolute snack that she is. And he's looking like the snack wrapper. And that's not great. You know, he's doing the thing where he like scrunches the hoodie with the ties. He's got sweatpants on. What I don't like about his aesthetic is that sometimes when people dress grungy, they look dirty and there's something about his face. Does he have face tattoos? I don't, I feel like he does. Something about Justin Bieber, when he does it, he looks dirty. Like he's got the maybe half bleached hair. Maybe it's a face tat. I don't like that. But I like this mix. I think Bieber is our new Sandler. Like a lot of people equate this kind of lifestyle aesthetic to Adam Sandler. But I've never, as a petite girl, it's not flattering to dress in oversized anything, right? Like if I'm wearing something tighter, I can show off whatever figure that I do have. It's a little bit more flattering. And proportionately, I'm just wearing the right amount of fabric for my body. During this time, however, when I prefer to lay low, I wore a trench coat the other day that I only saw a few people in and all of the the few people were like, wow, you're really doing it, huh? Like you really, like you could just tell I was hiding from something in this trench coat. And I felt a lot of power in that moment. I felt like I want to maybe be like a little Billie Eilish right now. Like you don't get to know what's under here, okay? You don't get to know that I'm not wearing a bra because you're not even going to know that I have boobs in this outfit. Like that's the vibe that I'm going to go for these next few months. I think I have an opportunity to just be more casual. I'm not going to be doing as much sponsored content. I'm going to lean into the fall winter vibe as it comes here in upstate New York. And I really like it. I think I can actually get creative. I think, and I'm not trying to look like a slob. Like I'm trying to make it fashion. I'm going to try to pull together some looks. I'm going to have a little bit of extra time to layer and play around really take some inspo from online and try to reuse old stuff, um, which is a great segue into my number four here or number three, I guess, which is that's where the thrifting came into play. I made a little subtle notes of thrifting in the earlier part of the show, but another hidden gem uh, in addition to Panza's is a store that I have been told to visit in the past. It's also located in Saratoga. It's called Treasures. And this is a thrift store where all of the proceeds benefit Saratoga Hospital and Saratoga Hospital Foundation. In England, in Europe, this is very popular where their um, Salvation Armies, I'm using air quotes because they have other ones, they all benefit a specific cause. Kind of like Captain, I guess we have here because Captain is a nonprofit. And I know Salvation Army is too, but like sometimes it's like something else. So this Treasures is in a great location in Saratoga, not somewhere you like drive by, you think about all the time, but I drive by there a lot. I have probably driven by there a thousand. I swear to God, a thousand times. I think I drive by it every day. So 365 times three something years I've lived in Saratoga. Never once stopped in. And again, when you're feeling low, when you're not feeling your best, I had multiple thoughts along this journey that I'm like, if I could just buy something that made me feel good, even if it's a Band-Aid, even if it's a temporary fix, I know I would feel accomplished and I would feel better, even temporarily. I want to, I would like to buy something right now as a symbol of what I'm going through and just a little pick me up. So, the best place to do that was Treasure in Saratoga. I was blown away. If you like thrifting, it is the perfect balance of like being able to root around and shop around without being overwhelmed or underwhelmed and just being confident that there's a very well curated mix in front of you. Okay. It's a lot of tried and true brands. 
There's no like Forever 21 and like cheap shit in there. It's definitely stuff that has been, you know, lightly worn, maybe never worn. Maybe it's what I would consider vintage at this point. You're looking at the tags and the labels. You're like, oh, they don't make them like they used to type of shit in there, you know? But the best part about it, and I don't want to reveal everything because I want you to go experience it for yourself. The quick run of the store, a lot of women's stuff, obviously, but they do have home goods. They have art. They have, you know, like knickknack things. They have a men's section. So they kind of have it all, but it's very well displayed, very professional. I felt like I was in a Macy's department store. Like it's beautiful in there. It's really, really well done. They're not stingy with the donations, so you can still donate every week. They open up like the back of the shop and you can still drop things off, which I think is nice because so many people nowadays want to donate. They want to give their things new life and they get turned down because there's such an influx of that stuff. They still take it. They only put the best of the best in the store. They're not throwing junk in there. And then they truly do donate what cannot be used. So that's just kind of some housekeeping on it. The coolest thing they do though, I'm obsessed with this and I think I'm giving away a secret. Their price tag system is like pre-discounted. So when you go in there, Every single item has three or four different prices on it. The first price is the date, the date that they put it out there. So for example, let's just use today, October 31st. Today, something costs $40, okay? So if you want it, you love it that day, you want to buy it right now, $40. Then every two weeks, if it's still there on the shelves, it will discount further. So then it will tell you on November 14th, it's going to be $28.80. If it's still here by November 30th, it's going to be $14 or whatever. And it goes down from there. I think this is absolutely brilliant. It helps you as a shopper. A, you know it's going to go on sale. Because when you go to like H&M and Zara or whatever, you don't know when something's going to go on sale. So if you love it that much, you have to buy it or you play your chances, you play your game and whatever. This is similar, but at least you know what the payoff is in the future. I was there and I fell in love with this long 100% leather jacket. I felt as though I could not live without it, especially again, given all of my emotional roller coaster that I had been on. I really felt like this jacket was going to enhance my life. However, I saw the discount two weeks from the day that I saw it. And I'm like, can I make it to this point? Can I save myself $20? Can I live without it that long? And am I okay with if I wait the two weeks or whatever and it's not there, am I willing to chalk it up to the fact that it wasn't meant to be? Because the jacket was a little big, like it's a little imperfect, but it's it's exactly what I wanted. It was a cool, like definitely no regret vintage find, but that's up to you. Like, what does your heart tell you? Is it worth taking home today? Is it worth hoping and waiting and risking two weeks from now? hoping that it's still on the shelves. And then again, the longer you wait, if it's still there, the price goes down. So you bet your little bottom dollar, there's like three or four things in there right now that I'm going to wait a couple weeks, go back. And if it's still there, it's meant to be, and I'm going to get a deal. So I highly recommend, especially if you are in with the Bieber aesthetic, if you are in with grungy girl fall, join me thrift shopping at definitely one of the best, most well-priced altogether charitable, excellent thrifting experiences I've had in the capital region in a long time. All right. The last two here, um, uh, this kind of goes with the Megyn Kelly, all of that finding inspiration. I talked a few months ago about watching the Paul brothers documentary. What was actually just about Jake Paul. Um, 
I watched the Jake Paul fight. I mean, no, sorry. I watched the Logan Paul fight three weeks ago. I knew it was coming up. Like I said, I follow these guys on Instagram after I watched the documentary, which really did strike a chord with me. And I didn't know how bad I wanted to watch this boxing fight. When I was in high school, my guy friends would watch boxing or MMA or whatever all the time. And they used to call me, my nickname became Little Sis because I would go over, I was all for it. I was going to watch the fight with them and I would fall asleep every single time before the main fight started. They'd never start until like 11.30, 12 at night if the fights are in America. Fast forward to 2023, the Paul bros and everybody else has basically flipped the entire industry on their head. They have the Middle East, places like Dubai. They have London. They have all these other places. They have a world stage for this shit. And I know they always have, but it's a little bit different now if you follow in any way. So this time the fight was on at like six o'clock at night and I watched it. My boyfriend bought it for me, which was really nice. Because again, I'm like, Dwight Taylor, do you really need to watch this? Like, you don't like this stuff, first of all. You usually fall asleep. And I don't like kicking and punching. And they don't kick in boxing. They just box. Um, I don't usually like this stuff. I don't like to see people get hurt. I don't like blood. I don't like teeth things. Like, I don't like this stuff. But I just, something told me I needed to watch it. And I watched it. It was not the most exciting fight. But the speech that Logan Paul gave at the end, I've posted it a few times. I have watched his speech every single day to bring me up. I loved what he said. I thought it was very interesting. It was very uplifting. And beyond anything, it was so effing cool. Just seeing two people, him and his brother, and everybody else who's helped kind of revolutionize and bring new energy to this industry, the amount of training and dedication and just putting it again on the world stage. So effing cool. But then this Saturday, I did it again. Because Tyson Fury, who is the world champion, which everybody's a world champion. I think I could be a world champion. If they can do it, so can I. He came out of retirement. He's like seven feet tall. He has a show on Netflix with his wife, Paris. I think Paris or Paige. And they have like seven kids. You got to watch his reality show. But another one, I'm like literally sitting, making a New York Times cooking recipe, watching boxing. I'm like, I think this is who I am now. I'm going to be a boxer. I don't know if I want to be one or I just want to immerse myself in the world, but I just had to laugh to myself on a Saturday night. I'm staying in. I didn't buy this fight. I was just watching it on like one of the bootleg sites, but um, it's definitely, I think I must've used to watch MMA back in the day because boxing is a lot more palatable. It's still hard. They still get beat up obviously, but I think it's the kicking. It's the lifting of the legs and the kicking and the rib stuff that really, that I really don't like. But I think I've turned a new corner. You know, I'm not a football girl. Um, obviously, I'm watching the World Series and stuff that's a little bit more PG. But the physicality of boxing, something is intriguing. So in a year from now, instead of live shows, I'm doing title fights. Don't be shocked, okay? And that's just a little uh, a little teaser out there. Maybe I'm manifesting. I don't know. Um, and the last thing here, uh, which is really goes to show you how I'm dealing with everything that's been going on, I was a 45-minute drive away from buying a puppy over the last week. I really wanted to lean into this. I had an opportunity presented to me to buy a Bernadoodle puppy who was 10 weeks old. He was the last one on the farm. I'll say it. He was Amish, and he was only in, like, Schoharie County. And I had a weak moment. I did everything I could for about four days to try to fully convince myself and my family, my loved ones, that this was something I needed in my life. I knew deep down the answer was I did not. I knew it. But I was so effing close 
to just doing it. Because I sometimes I think the best things in life, you just get thrown into them. They fall on your lap, metaphorically speaking. Um, I've cared for a puppy before. I know how long the puppy stage lasts. I was trying to fast forward, give my dog a best friend. I pulled every excuse out in the book, like any seven-year-old would that wants a dog from their parents. I ran the gamut, baby. And the only thing that concerned me, first of all, I'm proud I didn't get it because I think it's probably was for the best. Again, if I want to be my best self, I probably don't need two dogs. I, I need one and I have one. Um, But it also concerned me that people in my life, I don't know if they... They're, they're tiptoeing around me, if they're scared of me, if they think I'm fragile right now. Nobody just straight up said no to me. And I could have taken that two ways. I could have taken that as I'm going to go buy this dog and look at you, you little effers, because no one's saying no. Or what I think was like, I'm like, no, you're tricking me. Like I took it as like, I know you're saying no, but you're just scared to say no to me right now. And I, I knew deep down the answer was no. I did not need to bring that into my world and restrict travel again. I got my original dog during the Pandy Wandy, so I didn't have to really travel that much anyway. Um, I've waited all. I'm still, I'm still checking the one ad digest because I think the dog might still be there, but I'm holding out hope that he's with a new family now because all I need is one more weak moment with dry lips and dry eyes and a runny nose and I'm taking home a new puppy, but I don't think so. I think there's more in my future. I think there's more in store and it doesn't have four legs. Maybe it has boxing gloves. Maybe it has another kind of trip in store, but stay tuned for the show. We'll keep doing these every week. Uh, A lot of new adventures to come. Got to try some new things, trying to find ways to laugh and be funny and still be me. And uh, thanks for sticking with me guys. I really appreciate it. I feel good. After doing this, I'll feel good when it's out in the world. And anybody that has sent me any kind of message, any kind of reply over the past few months, I know I said it before, but it really means a lot. A lot of people just coming out from their corners of the internet to share something kind and be kind. And that's the kind of stuff I want to see out in the world. That's the kind of stuff I want to bring to the world. So when you throw it back my way, I really appreciate it. And I will see you guys next Tuesday. She ain't a rock star, but she got groupies. She ain't no actress, but she make podcasts.